Proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. Welcome to a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. So appreciative of everybody that is listening, watching. We do genuinely appreciate all the support that you do give us here. It means a lot, and it means a lot to be hanging out with my dear pals here who held it down on the Thursday show without me last week. Maddie Lane, hello. How are you? Good kid. Did you, did you listen to last week's Thursday show when we held it down without you? To You know I did it. <laughs> this is this is how you know when Kent's not here. Craig and I kicked off both offense. Well, first of all, we talked defense first, and then we went to the offensive side of the ball, but we kicked it off talking about Heavy personnel on both sides, both sides of the ball and defense. <laughs> that is how we started the breakdown. It was talking about twelve and thirteen personnel from both from both offenses. So um, that's that's the kind of Thursday we had. Yet. Yeah, and we were accurate, right? Right, Maddie? I mean, hey, we were. We nailed it. We were. We absolutely were. So yeah, I, I'm just saying that maybe let us drive the show a little. Every once in a while, take a, take a couple Thursdays off again. You know, remember earlier in the year where you missed like eight Thursdays in a row. I, this is, this is way too aggressive towards Ken. I gotta push back on, on this on this line. This, this, I've this never too much. I can't even commit to this bit. <laughs> I've never felt more useless in my life. You guys just told me to take half the shows off. You're great, Kent. You're such a good job. He is great. He is wonderful. Yeah, Kent is great. I want to. Craig fumbled over his second transition the last Thursday. Exactly. Like that's where we knew Just, we needed you back. Yeah, I think here's all I'm here for, guys. I'm here to read what's on the rundown. I'm here to read the ads. I'm here to transition so Maddie can interrupt me. I'm here to get this show done in 47 minutes or less. We went 61. I know. I I jumped in like I I mean I had basically I was I was uh I had both my boys uh solo dadding for a couple of days this week. So I couldn't get them to bed by eight o'clock and so it wasn't gonna have that that's why you saw me on five things. Yeah, right. Um but like in between like, you know, finally getting them to bed and before we kind of jumped on to do our five things stuff, uh I did watch like a few minutes of it. And so you guys did great. I was confused because like Tucker tried to convince me that you guys had been talking offense for 55 minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> that was, you know, that was one option. That was one option. We just did an entire offensive show without you so that this X, you could be only defense while you came back. Well, I, I, you know what? I, I'd be fine to talk about this top five chief heads, honestly. Um, we can lead with them because. You know, I went from <laughs> about to talk about the defense to Nick Bolton to Tucker back to Nick Bolton and just completely skipped the top five defense on the postgame show last night. So. I am so disappointed that you have made the correct decision to talk about the defense because I had an awesome bit planned for when you tried to go to the offense and now it's gone. I have a fake petition signed by every defensive player for the Chiefs here. <laughs> I was going to interrupt you and say we had to start with the defense, and you have ruined the bit by correctly starting on the defensive side. I am upset right now. I am so mad at you for not letting me get this bit off right now. I can't even put it in words. 
Thank you, Joy. Yes, Craig is great. No, Kent is great. This is this is the best. This is the absolute best. Kent, you are correct to start talking about the defense. Maddie, I you were the wrong here. I, I hate to say it, Maddie, I, you you were wrong here. You even had the bit prepared in <laughs> I underestimated my opponent wholeheartedly. This was a trap game if there ever was a trap game. Sounds like it basketball. Is good, it is a good thing that youthful Regis doesn't allow Kent and Matt to play. Kent might actually win a game. No chance. <laughs> oh man. Uh I that was I haven't laughed that hard in a while. But uh, I'm, I'm honestly, I am kind of glad I ruined your bit for as many times as you ruined very clean, efficient, professional-like transitions on this show. I'm just trying to move us on to an ad read or, you know, try to move this show along and you just kind of jump in and do your thing. I'm kind of glad that we were able to uh, kind of thwart your uh, really funny joke, honestly. I That was some of your best work, too. That's literally eight minutes of my life. I will never get that. And there was no. <laughs> He's, he wrote Malik Herring's name on a yeah. sheet, sheet of paper. You know Jack Cochran's name on a sheet of paper. You know how long it's been since I've had to write cursive? How many times I had to pause and think, now how do I write that letter in cursive? <laughs> like, it, oh man. That was George Karloftis for you. Well, I didn't do his. I didn't do his in cursive. I mix and matched it, be like anybody signing a petition would. You got different pins. You got different lettering. I did. I put in all the stops, kit, and you had so many different pins. And oh, and now it's over. It doesn't matter. Did you ever that? Was on there. Listen, oh. I even I even snuck in Keandre Coburn's name just for just for fun. Oh. It was even on there. It was sad. It hurt me, but I even put that in. It, it, you know what? We should talk about the defense and not my uh, failed bit. Now, um, was Nick Bolton on the list because he's about to be an IR? Is that how did that work? Okay. Yes, I. You know, I was gonna make a joke, but I don't think we need to go there. Um. So yes, yes, he was on there. He was definitely on there. Um. Where as he deserves to be. Because yeah. he is 100% a very important part of this defense that we should probably talk about a little bit more before we talk about the defense and then move on to the offense. That's totally fine. It plays it plays perfectly. Obviously, Nick Bolton uh, has the wrist injury, go undergoing surgery, expected to miss a couple months. They're hoping to have him back by December. Um, tough loss, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it, and like I I think like we can get to the thank God Drew Tranquil part. Or, you know, thank God Drew Tranquil's here, part here in a minute. But like, it would have been really fun for the next two two months to have four really good linebackers that they can kind of mix and match and keep fresh and all that stuff. You know, for the foreseeable you know rest of the season, it would have been really fun to have all of those guys. And obviously, they're going to get him back in December and be able to save some things. But it is kind of disappointing that that Nick Bolton's season is derailed again by injury. And it's a big loss for this defense. It really is. It it sucks to see one of the leaders of the defense go down, you know, at any level there, let alone a guy like Nick Bolton that Steve Spagnuolo trusts implicitly and was having a really terrific game. That is a brutal injury to have. Our guy Aaron Borgman had a big long thread on Twitter. Uh, Make sure that you go and take a look at that to get some idea of maybe what some of the recovery stages are going to be and... I think the part that's most important here, 
he's going to have to be wearing a hard cast at the end of all of this. And that really sucks because as a linebacker trying to corral things outside of your body while wearing a hard cast and not having the flexibility to you know move your wrist is going to just be brutal from a tackling standpoint. So there are going to be plays that Nick Bolton absolutely would have made that he will probably not be able to make in December. And that sucks. That really sucks for him because being in the right spot, being in those positions is very important to what he does and what this defense is predicated on, you know, making those impact plays, creating that negative, you know, those tackles for loss, those pass breakups, things like that. Some of that may go away. And so it it really limits him as a player just because he's got to wear this hard cast. So I'm, I'm really sad for Nick. That That really sucks. Having another good year was building towards, you know, probably a contract extension this next offseason. That's not to say that he's not going to get one now, but wearing that cast, missing the time that he has this season, it it really is a good thing they have Drew Tranquil because I would be freaking out about the defense right now if this team had to miss their Mike linebacker for two more months this season. Yeah, I mean, I think... It's obviously really bad for Bolton and the Chiefs defense. Like, there's going to be certain elements that are going to be missed because of the lack of Nick Bolton, even if the Chiefs might be as best suited as they have been, you know, in a long time to handle a starting, you know, middle linebacker going down. They're going to miss some physicality. He's clearly a linebacker that, you know, makes a ton of splash plays, right? Whether it's the run, the pass, there's a lot of splash plays that come. And even when he does come back, if he does come back this year, you don't know how a hard cast is going to impact a guy that has to use his hands for a lot of different stuff, right? Like there's a lot of different things that have to be used as a linebacker. So we'll see what he looks like when he comes back. I think Craig kind of rounded it out in the right way though. It's like, hey, at the end of the day though, like they thankfully they did go out and make a play for Drew Tranquil who has gotten experience starting, has plenty of time now in this defense. It's looked really well when he's out there. So, you know, hopefully they can just continue to hit the ground running with that. And then once Nick Bolton comes back, there's no rush. And then he can be inserted back in and, you know, slowly working back in. You don't have to drop him right back in. The pressure isn't on Nick Bolton to make everything right again because it should still keep going relatively smoothly without him, barring, you know, knock on wood, any other injuries. So I do want to read this line from James Palmer TV uh, on Twitter. James Palmer, friend of the show, James Palmer. Uh, the Chiefs were extremely impressed with Drew Tranquil, who they signed this offseason when he filled in for Bolton earlier this season to the point they've been trying to find ways to get him on the field after Bolton returned. Tranquil has a high football IQ and can handle everything C. Spagnuolo puts on the middle linebacker, which is a lot. You know, and that speaks to, you know, guys that have seen the field more than maybe some of some Chiefs fans preferred in the past. There's a lot that they put on that Mike linebacker. Drew Tranquil has appeared to really step in nicely, and that is definitely uh, definitely a good thing. Anything on Bolton else uh, real quick? Matt, uh, Craig, you got anything? No? Good? No, no. If you uh, know a Chargers fan, uh, if you can find one, thank them for <laughs> Drew Tranquil. Please do do that for me. I did it today already, so I, I, I handled my business. So do your part as a Chiefs fan and make sure to let them know. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, thanks for that guy. He's been really terrific. If you can find one. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
Hey everyone, this is BJ Kissel and I want to tell you about our friends at Batchelder Family Farms and KC Buffalo Company. Located in Belton, Missouri on the south end of Kansas City, this family-owned business has been taking care of Chiefs Kingdom's meat needs for nearly 100 years, even before Chiefs Kingdom. But it's where you want to get your meat going forward. Whether you're looking for the most flavorful steaks, beef, roasts, or even bison meat, they've got you covered. They've got all the cuts on their grass-fed, hormone-free bison and beef products. Check out Batchelder Family Farms. Support local, support good meat. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for those jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Relish the best of autumn with fall flavors, our limited-time only hearty, comforting meals featuring seasonal veggies like cranberry pecan chicken and apple Dijon pork chops, ready in just two minutes. They'll satisfy your fall cravings during the busy season without the hassle. Looking for calorie-conscious options during the busy season? Try delicious, dietitian-approved, calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Head to factormeals.com slash KCSN50 and use code KCSN50 to get 50% off. That's code KCSN50 at factormeals.com slash KCSN50 to get 50% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Hey, we would really appreciate a five-star review if you have never done that before. It's a good thing to kind of get positive feedback, and it's also a good thing to kind of help us grow KC Sports Network's channel. So if you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star review on your iTunes, your Spotify, that would be absolutely wonderful. Speaking of five, how about a top five defense for the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, You know, it's kind of funny. I was on Twitter watching this game, and... Everyone is freaking out about the early returns of the Chargers, a very good quarterback and some good players, a good team that is trying their best to to keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs and still failing miserably. Uh, but they 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 got they got them early, put 17 points on the board in the first half, and people were talking about it being 2018 all over again, getting all these jokes off and stuff like it was. You know, Bob's sativity was at an all-time low or the two-time Super Bowl, three-time Super Bowl champion defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo. Uh, and the defense pitches a shutout in the second half. Just an absurd job. But 
the the Kansas City Chiefs defense. What a, just a, just a great job across the board, Craig. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Chiefs allow three yards per play in the first quarter for a sixty-seven percent defensive success rate. That's outrageously good. Take a step back in the second half. Still was about half and half from a success rate standpoint, but the Chargers were hitting explosive plays. As a matter of fact, the Chiefs allowed their two biggest plays of the year to the Chargers in about a four-play span there. One of them was the 49-yard you know, rushing touchdown. The other one was a 60-yard pass play that Brian Cook got back for and stopped from becoming a touchdown. Those were both out of heavy personnel. See, that ties back to the whole thing that Maddie and I were talking about in the Thursday show. But after that, they get into the second half there. Outside of one drive at the beginning of the third quarter where the Chiefs come up with an interception in the red zone, they absolutely shut down the Chargers. Uh, Again, 83% success rate in the fourth quarter, only allowing 2.7 yards per play. Had, you know, three and out, three and out, three and out, like at a time when the Chiefs' offense wasn't getting much going. It it was absolutely crucial that this defense step up in a big way, and they did. And I think that everybody is so you know, conditioned to the moment that an offense starts to move the ball, because I see it in the game day threads, I see it on Twitter, I see it, you know, it could be a singular drive that the offense just happens to figure something out before the, the defensive coordinators can get them on the sideline and be like, hey, let's change this up. It ended up being realistically two drives in the second quarter in this game. They get stuff figured out, but everybody is just so quick to be like, it's over. They're with the defense. This team is awful again. This is bad. This is terrible. I think we need to start, you know, maybe metering some of that a little bit. Like, hey, a bad drive happens every once in a while. We we do that with the offense all the time. Oh, man, they just barely missed on something. Okay, bad drive happens. Happens on defense, too. We need to give the trust to this defense because we're seven weeks in against some really good offenses, and they are a top-five defense in almost every single category that you can come up with outside of sacks which they're like seventh in the NFL in right now. Unbelievable. Top two pressure rate, though. So, I mean, it, it's it's one of those where everything's finish. clicking. Everything's working. <laughs> you got to finish. I just think we got to give them a little bit more leash when things with a singular drive or two doesn't seem to be going their way. Yeah, for sure. And like, I mean, like kind of Craig said, you know, the Chargers had a relatively sustained, like long field goal drive to follow the Chiefs field goal drive. Right. And then the Chiefs come back and have a quick scoring touchdown drive and the Chargers immediately respond. And the cap of that was a poorly fit run by Joshua Kelly, who goes off the scamper for a 50 yard touchdown run. Now that the Chargers weren't kind of moving the ball on that drive as is, but 50 of the 75 yards of that scoring drive won one run, which essentially the Chiefs botched the entire thing themselves. It wasn't as much the Chargers what they did right, just the Chiefs poorly fit the run. Specifically, one safety came in and kind of got frozen his tracks and, and missed his gap to fill. The Chiefs came right back and score again. The Chargers kind of do the same thing. They immediately hit a 60-yard pass that a safety gets matched up one-on-one versus a slot wide receiver on a double move. Out of tempo, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it was out of tempo. Not many safeties in the NFL are built to play 18 or to play 12 14 yards off and handle a double move by a wide receiver. They're just not built for that. That's not what they're due. If they did, hey, guess what? They'd play cornerback, most likely. (laughs) 
okay, like the, the Chargers got it. And it just all happened so quick. It all happened real fast in real time. Not just game time, but in real time. I mean, the Chargers had a touchdown drive that lasted three minutes and 29 seconds. The Chiefs scored even faster. The Chargers got the ball back and scored even faster than that. Like, that's how quick everything happened all of a sudden there in the second quarter. So to Craig's point, it just took a second to get everybody on the same page, to calm everyone down, to figure out, hey, the Chargers are going heavy on first down, running, or throwing a quick pass and just going, boom, tempo. We don't care if it's a failed play, successful play, tempo. We're going, and we're going to keep going until there's a reason to stop it. You you, it, you want back in real bad, Kent, so come on in, buddy. Well, I, it's just funny to me because, like, last year it was flat hitch. That was their that was their no huddle play. They just threw flat hitch, you know. And I mean, Lombardi, the, baby, she's I know. And the Chiefs got him. The Chiefs got you know, the, like their tempo play was just like flat hitch. And the Chiefs, Justin Watson was able to you know sniff that out and all that stuff. Jalen, Jalen Watson, <laughs> Justin Watson would have sniffed it out too. To your he would have he was he would have done great. He would have done absolutely. <laughs> I but think it's, it's interesting yeah. that a new offensive coordinator is like, oh, hey, we should tempo the Chiefs defense too. It's like, that must be a Staley thing. That must be one thing that Staley's just kind of, or Herbert, yeah. somebody that's still there is just like, hey, I like this versus this defense. That's Yes. Yeah, no, that was going to say, I just think, yeah, no, I'm with you. Like, I think it's more just like they've, they've seen it, they've seen it has success in the past. And so there's enough carryover with that staff outside of, I know it's Kellen Moore now, but like, you know, they, they definitely played on that. They definitely got into that. It, they some it's something about tempo that they, they they do like. I don't know if it's they, maybe Spags simplifies some calls. You know, yeah. that's a, that's especially exactly when you get them in base, and especially you know? when you get them in base to do it. Like that's the right key, I think, for it. Yeah, I think I think they did some really smart stuff with that tempo, and like I think early down success can really help you know manage your tempo a little bit more, right? Like you a little bit of little bit of movement in some drives, getting into a second and short can really help you do some of the stuff that they try to do. And I feel like the Chiefs, you know, Craig, you might have some of the numbers on that, but it just felt like, I okay, well, are these the Craigalytics that I didn't let you talk about yesterday? No, no, they're not, but we okay. can make them that. And I appreciate no. that, buddy. I'm, but yeah. Yeah. No, the Chargers well, averaged cool. <laughs> 5.7 yards per first down uh, on the day. And okay. Granted, a couple of those were explosive. Uh, early on in the game, the Chiefs actually did a pretty good job uh, staying ahead of the six on first down. There were a few one-yard stops, a few you know plays that were positive for the Chiefs' defense there. And then once again, at the end of the game, they were able to retrieve that. But the parts that everybody's kind of remembering there in the middle, it was probably closer to a seven or eight-yard a play first down. And then second down for the day was 6.5 yards per play both of those were not good they they just weren't good they the Chiefs have been much better than that all season long not allowing that much and so it set the Chargers up into advantageous third and short situations and they were throwing out of that because they knew they would be able to go for it on fourth down they, they knew that that was going to be the case so it was just very easy for them to kind of line some of this stuff and go tempo to make sure that they kept the Chiefs in base or that 3-3-5 defense that we've been talking about a bunch. On my initial charting here, I've got them allowing 14 yards per play out of the 3-3-5 defense. That is scary. They allowed 10.9 yards per play out of their base 4-3. Chargers didn't want them to be in their 4-2 nickel, which Steve Spagnuolo just started countering, you know, like 12 personnel with. And then Steve 
would get into that dime on second down a lot more readily just because he knew if the Chargers tried to hurry up and they had a successful play on second down, they were going to push to get another tempo playoff on third down so that Spagnola couldn't go into his dime, couldn't get into his blitz packages, so Spags countered that. And obviously, we see what happened in the second half. Uh no, for sure. Like I did, I, good adjustments by him. Good decisions. Good choices. Like, and I, I think you know, I, there's no rigidity there, right? Like they made the choice to be a little bit lighter at different times too. Like I think that's really that speaks to just you know, speaks to this staff. You know, they're not going to let them get into the tempo stuff because they do. They're going to get absolutely destroyed. So the Chiefs having an answer so quickly, and that answer being let's we're willing to go a little bit lighter earlier. That's that's a great sign because. If you have an answer so quickly, maybe some teams are less, you know, less willing to try to challenge with some of that tempo, you know? So I I think that's, you know, like thwarting things that teams could try later. That being said, like in the Super Bowl, when the the team they play in the Super Bowl is going to try to go tempo. Like, you know, it's going to just right out the gate. Like, probably see it. They're going to see it this week. I mean, the Broncos are going to come back. The Broncos threw a couple snaps at them of tempo, and that's something that Sean Payton will absolutely do with Russell Wilson, and they will try to play a little bit. Like, multiple teams are going to show it to him. It's just the Chargers have really relied on it throughout the years when they match up with the Chiefs. They've had a lot of success doing so, and that's that's kind of what happened in that second quarter. And then, like, to Craig's point, the Chiefs came back. They figured out their adjustments at halftime on how they were going to handle it. And they, one, kept the Chargers kind of out of doing tempo in the second half because of it. But two, the Chargers didn't get the looks that they wanted. And so, like, that halftime adjustment was amazing. We get, you know, every year you get a little bit of flack from fans like, oh, Steve Spagnuolo never adjusts and adjusts if he's too stubborn and stuff. And, like, we push back on that plenty as is. But, like, I think this game is a perfect example of an in-game adjustment that had a huge impact that goes against what his typical trends are. Right, like his typical trends are, nah, nah, we're gonna go in base because we don't want to get run on. This man gave up a fifty-yard touchdown run and still opted to make his run sense, you know, weaker coming out of halftime for the better of the unit. Now, I gotta say this though, this is where I was trying to get to earlier before the uh, before the rock was taken away from me. Um, the Chargers in the second quarter were, you know, they were on a tear. Their offense was rolling, and then the Chiefs got the ball back and threw an interception on third down. And it looked like the Chargers might have a chance to like take control of this game, right? The, the halftime adjustments aren't happening yet. The Chiefs defense is reeling a little bit. The person that's they get the ball, they're on 24-yard line. Big play to Quentin Johnston. This was this was my frustration with the defense. Josh Palmer, Gerald Everett, Joshua Kelly, Quentin Johnston, Darius Davis. These are the guys that are beating you up. That's the team that's giving you trouble. Like those, those skilled players, like, come on now. And so here's the Chargers again, almost at midfield, kind of driving at second and ten. Who's the guy that makes the big play, though, to put the Chargers back on their heels? Guy freshly back. Charles O'Minahue comes in and gets a sack on second and 10. Yeah, cover sack. Yeah, a little bit of a cleanup, but still, good rush. He gets the sack. It puts the Chargers in third and long. The Chiefs are able to get a force a punt, get the ball back, score a touchdown before half. They go into half and make all these adjustments, but they had to save face before then. They had to deal with what they were dealing with. They had to play in base and against that tempo, and here it is. Coming back, the big free agent signing, Charles who comes up big when it matters. I thought that was huge. I mean, that was one of the biggest plays in the game for the defense. It absolutely was. And Charles who had one of the other biggest plays of the day on defense oh, yeah. in the red zone, too. So, I mean, just an immediate impact play there. Yeah, don't let that that one second quarter drive slip by. It wasn't like the Chargers were just running them over every single drive. 
that was a massive play. That was a tie ball game at that point. And the Chiefs yeah. stepped up, allowed them to have the possibility to double up. And if Blake Bell doesn't have a cold fumble on the field there, they probably did double up on that drive because they were moving there. I do want to shout out not just Charles Amenehu. I know we talked about Nick Bolton at the beginning. Probably the most underrated play of this game was a third and three that the Chiefs actually went into their dime. Light box. They've got two, three techniques on the field. A lot of space. The Chargers went, you know what? We're going to run the ball. Nick Bolton sniffed that out. That was a one-yard run on third and three from the Chargers' own 31-yard line. Didn't even get it into a fourth and one scenario. It's a fourth and two from the 32-yard line. Brandon Staley can't can't go for it there. Down just a touchdown. He's got to kick it there. That might be the biggest play of the game right there because that was a drive that they couldn't allow the Chargers to get anything going. Kind of rotated the momentum back towards the Chiefs a little bit. And in a look that is very advantageous for the offense there, the defense just stepped up and executed way better than the offense did. So I, I do want to shout out that play as well because that was a phenomenal play when they were in a light box scenario. Is that the one where he kind of slipped the gap and then kind of helped pull him away from the line to gain and Karloftis kind of helped clean up? Is that the same? It might have been a Karloftis clean up. It, it, Bolton was the tip of the spear well, on sure. whatever the case may be yeah. on that. Yeah. No, for sure. I was just I was trying to remember the play specifically. Yeah. Um, I do. There's one other kind of comment, just like about how well coached this team is. Is like pass deflections was obviously a big thing in this game. The Chiefs did a really great job challenging yeah. at getting their hands up, and that just feels like a really strong coaching point for this team. You know, just in general. But you know, the defense, the the best drive that the Chargers put together during the second half. Right after the you know Blake Bell turnover, they're they're moving down the field successfully, and what is the thing that derails their drive and forces a turnover is getting your hands up and challenging and, and trying to you know, you know, just just a, a talking point that this team you know emphasizes. And George Karloftis is one of the best challenging, but Charles Omeni who getting his hands up and 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 make a play sure it might have been his arm or you know a little bit of his head i don't know but he was challenging nonetheless ball goes up in the air and they get an interception just i i, I just think that's an interesting Willie fact really Willie Gay? Willie on that third and short sitting behind the center yeah he does he does Remember that didn't thing once a year he does it yeah. once a year once a year he's just lurking like as a spy or i don't even know if it's a spy against her i guess on that play it probably was they only was. three they were in their yeah. three two yeah yeah, and so he's just spying. I don't even think he's just trying to late blitz. He's just spying. He's hiding behind the D-line, and Herbert, you know, goes to throw it. And, I mean, here comes Willie Gay out of nowhere and tips it up. And like you said, he's done that numerous times. Like, almost once a year, maybe twice a year, he just kind of lurks behind a bunch of traffic and then makes that play. It's a phenomenal play. And George Karloffis just teaching everybody to play water polo one one game <laughs> at a time, one week at a time. Uh, we, we talk about Willie having that natural feel for the throwing lanes. That that goes right in line with that. Yeah. You know, just kind of feeling, hey, there might be somebody behind me. Hey, I got to track this quarterback size a little bit better. And then timing the jump, swatting that down. That directly led to McCall Hardman's punt return. Like it would that was the play that got them off the field. That was gonna be, unless the receiver drops the ball, a first down on a third and five. Receiver had a little bit of separation there. Willie Gay Jr. comes up with a big Big play there. McCall Hardman follows it up with an even bigger play. And that's when the team put it out of reach. Like that was that was the final straw essentially for this team. So it really has 
started with the defense this year. It has continued with the defense this year. And yeah, their top five defense might be a top three defense in the NFL right now. And it is so fun to get to watch it, especially when the offense is moving the ball as well. Ken. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in a second. I do want to jump in before Craig's transition really quick. Uh <laughs> It's like faking an injury when you're not hurt, but like no. your coach tells you to go down. This is real. Uh, before we move on from the defense, I think this was Tershawn Wharton's best game uh, back this yeah. year. Yeah. Yes, he's it was. Little, he's starting to look a lot more like the old Tershawn Wharton. I think he's got a little bit more juice, you know, back in, you know, kind of just getting his feet underneath him. But he looked a little bit more explosive, a little bit stronger at the point of attack. Thought he was moving a lot better and, and made a few plays as well. So, I thought I thought Tershawn Wharton had a wonderful day, uh, uh, so yeah, shout out Tershawn Wharton, great, great addition to to the defensive side of the ball. Okay, I really do. Good spot, buddy. Thanks. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball winnings. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball is more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly on behalf of Booth Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 and eight, 21 and older age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball. Terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. I'm not used to talking basketball. But uh, thunder over wins. Thunder over wins. Uh, anyways, oh hey, shout out Justin Mead. Thank you. Appreciate appreciate the like. Appreciate the the super chat. Really appreciate that. Shout out Bumpa BB. Uh, yeah. Uh, if if you were if you were just watching uh, Jordan Addison rip a ball from Chiefs legend Charvarius Ward on a Kirk Cousins type throw on a primetime Kirk Cousins type throw, um, he just yeah, it was pretty awesome. But you know what? Know something. I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy with. The- we just before we, we transition to the offense because Maddie wasn't able to get his bit off, so I'm I'm just doing his bit right now. Um, were Were you serious about Chiefs legend Trevorius Ward, or was that tongue in cheek? I don't know. How do you feel about Trevorius? Yeah, Ward? how do you feel? Because serious on your tits on Trevorius Ward. <laughs> you said Chiefs legend so confidently. I was hoping you meant it genuinely. I I don't know. How many? Hall of good, Hall of on the Super Bowl team, one one time Super Bowl winner. So we probably shouldn't concern ourselves with such things. Jordan Addison's good, but I'm really happy with Rasheed Rice, which was my transition before all of you dorks ruined it. 
Um, oh, uh, the the very few people that know her are, are laughing hysterically right now. We we are. Oh man, <laughs> going to name calling now. I see how it is. Well, this is just going out. This is getting out of hand, and you guys eviscerated me and just like ruined me to my core earlier. So I think I'm just lashing out irrationally. Uh, I'm sorry for that. Uh, anyways. Transitioning to Rishi Rice because I wanted to. Um, I watched, you know, I rewatched in the game, and like there's so many offensive points, you know, but I think with the wide receiver room, I'm just unbelievably excited about watching Rashi Rice play football every week now. And I saw an interesting stat that um, I'm going to give him credit here, real quick. Um, Adam Levitan doing some interesting numbers on the receiver, uh, in the Chiefs receiver situation. Um, basically Rasheed Rice on, he's had routes per drop back by week. He's kind of, Adam Levitan was kind of listing out by week, like his yards per, uh, or his routes per drop back. So like how many times Rasheed Rice is out on a route versus like the number of drop backs that are actually in the game. All right. Last two weeks, 51% and 65%. Uh, but th- he's only been over 50% three different times in this season. And in those three games that Rasheed Rice is over 50%, um, of the snaps, uh, of the of the dropbacks, fourteen catches, one hundred ninety one yards in three games. Uh, I look. I know the Travis Kelsey stuff. We can talk about it ad nauseum. We're gonna talk. Oh yeah, they freelance. Oh yeah, we can talk about it, all that stuff. But Rashi Rice continue. We will. But Rashi Rice's continuing emergence as kind of like that number two guy has me so excited and so optimistic because there is some level of consistency with that we're seeing him. There's a level of trust that exists with him that helped solve some of the red zone issues this week because Mahomes threw a backline play to him and a lot of coverage and he made a great play back there. I know like, yes, Travis Kelsey. Yes. But Rasheed Rice's continues continued emergence is the thing that is like getting me excited about the back half of the season when, you know, we all sat here and clamored for wide receiver one. And yes, it's fun to watch Jordan Addison do stuff, but my goodness, the Chiefs getting what they've got out of R- Rashi Rice so far as a second round pick. I am just, it's so much fun to watch. I'm, I'm so, he's becoming one of my favorite players very quickly. I mean, listen, it, it's a pretty easy like flowchart, right? Like, does he drop the first pass? Yes or no? And if the answer is yes, and you're like, okay, he's going to have a good game. And if the answer is no, it's like, oh, he's going to have a great game. Like, yes, he's got the now, right? Like, uh, no, so. Rasheed Rice has been—he's been phenomenal for the Chiefs, right? And like the crazy part is, if anyone went and watched him back at SMU, they essentially chucked him out there on the boundary, specifically the right side, and they DeAndre Hopkins him in his first year in Arizona. He just ran a lot of vertical routes. Yeah, they, they'd get him the ball to run some yak stuff, but they pretty much just threw him vertical balls and did a great job, you know, going up, fighting for contested catches. But his contested catch rate was really poor. There was some inconsistency, and I don't know his catching technique. I wonder if that would show up in the NFL. And mm-hmm. there's. There was questions about, you know, how that would, how he would translate to the NFL. A lot of people thought he needed to completely overhaul his route running, just change it from the fundamental stage. And I mean, hey, guess what? He kind of does. Because even if you watch what he does with the Chiefs, it's every week you see improvement, but it's still very raw route running. There's still not a ton of technicality in his route running. Occasionally, he gets a little, you know, arm over, a little arm bar push off. Occasionally, he steps on a DB's toes and explodes out of a break because he has the physicality and the physical skill set to do so. But he's still not running super clean, fantastic routes, you know, rep in and rep out. But the Chiefs are finding a way to make it work, especially over the middle of the field. And like I said, you are seeing improvement. 
every week he's running a new kind of route that you probably didn't see him run well earlier in the year, whether it's a deep hit, whether it's a deep curl, whether it is that little backline play that you saw that was, I don't even know, it was like a kind of like a little fade, kind of like a corner that he just held. Like it, it was a weird route to even try to classify. But you see him doing different stuff, and I think that's what you get excited for. We know what he can do after the catch. We've seen how explosive he is when you get the ball. This is, number 20 is not going to forget uh, for the yeah. charge how explosive that man is. And so it was nice for the second week in a row without Justin Watson to see him play 50-50 split of slot and out wide reps. And some of those out wide reps were again coming isolated on the backside. Only this week, he actually got a couple targets from there. This time, he actually got targets when he was separating you know, by himself on the backside of stuff. He got some looks. That was really nice to see because I think the Chiefs are going to need that. You know, you can't mention it. Travis Kelsey's clearly the engine that makes this offense go in the receiving room. However, you need somebody else, and that other person can't always be Rasheed Rice catching five-yard routes over the ball. They just can't always be that. That's still in the pocket, but it can't always be that. So, like, I really like what they're doing with Rasheed Rice. I went back while we were even recording this and watched that corner route where Patrick Mahomes missed him on. I would have to hear them talk about it because I think Rice did the right thing from what I would think. Like, there was no reason for him not to flatten the corner. Mahomes threw it upfield. We've seen him throw that to Kelsey upfield. So like, I don't know if it's just two guys being on a slightly different page or what it is, but we finally saw him get vertical a little bit. We haven't seen them do that at all. They're expanding his role a lot. I'm excited for that. The one thing though, goodness, the one thing I want to see when they put him out wide, he's looking at off coverage. If a DB sitting eight yards off him, if they don't start throwing him some smoke routes or just now routes, especially with the short side of the field, I don't know what we're doing. They used to do it to Tyree Kill all the time, and I get it. He's not Tyree Kill, but you want to tell me a smoke route versus a corner playing 8 to 10 yards off, they aren't picking up 5 yards on 1st and 10 if Rasheed Rice is there? Like, that's what's next. You got to trust him yeah. to catch it, but, like, that's next. Just start throwing them. Throw one or two, and I guarantee you the defense respects it, and now you maybe can press him downfield. So, like, I hope we see that in the next couple weeks. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, to your point, Maddie. like, ask Dean Marlowe about you know, who is she right? He's number 20 for the Los Angeles Chargers. He's been in the league almost a decade here, and he got baptized by Rishi Rice. He changed his number to 19. to the NFL, 11-year yeah. veteran. Holy cow, <laughs> man. So, yeah, throw throw him a smoke route. Throw him a now route. Let him run into space a little bit more. We've seen him use that physicality with the ball in his hands a lot, but it's not been just that. I mean, if I told you before the season started, hey, guys, Rasheed Rice, 733 yards and seven touchdowns. You, you guys cool with that this season? Like all of us, unanimous. Like every single one of the, <laughs> us that watches the Chiefs are just taking that to the bank. That's what he's projected yeah. to have right now, and that's with a slow start. I do want to kind of note here, one of the things that we've talked about a lot is his drops and his you know inability to haul some of that stuff in. We are now to the point where Rasheed Rice has the second best catch percentage of any receiver targeted. And those receivers include Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's number one. Rasheed Rice is number two. Obviously, we all know who leads this team right now. It is Donovan Smith. We knew that, you know, that <laughs> <laughs> clearly it was Donovan Smith. And the two backs, Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edward Delaire. That's why the Chargers had to attack his fingers. That's true. They knew That's that they why. were gonna throw a pass to him. Rasheed Rice has been very, like, insanely effective while targeted this season. It's it, we talk about the drops all the time. 
this is to the point now where I think we can start to put that behind us a little bit more. He's had a couple games without him. His catch rate is good enough to where, you know, he, he is getting the kind of separation that Patrick Mahomes feels comfortable targeting him with. And to Kent's point, targeting him in the back of the end zone there and just having him go up and make a play, phenomenal. Three touchdowns on the season already, already past Sky Moore's you know, rookie year numbers in pretty much every single category. So I I am I am so pleased with Rasheed Rice right now. He has been the thing that I feel like has unlocked defenses over the past two games a little bit more alongside new addition McCole Hardman. Do we want to transition to the McCole game here, Kent? Sure, I do have one quick thing to add on Rasheed okay. Rice. Yeah, so. go, go for Rasheed then. And yeah, this is what happens when we all just decide to switch chairs. Um. No, I, I think you know, I, I 100% agree with Maddie on a lot of the, you know, I think route running is going to continue to grow and develop and like it's definitely not there yet. But I think what's so encouraging and I think that the reason you need to be optimistic is, well, first off, him with the ball in his hands is as dynamic, is more dynamic than anybody that is on the roster in, the, in that receiving group. So there's that. But what's more is I, I think there is chemistry and feel that is being developed between Mahomes and Rishi Rice. Like it's not perfect. Like we talked about with the corner route, but I definitely, I think we've seen moments this season where Rishi has worked to space where he's been on the same page with Pat and Pat has trusted him to be on the same page. It may not be an elite route running scenario, but it's finding space, working to space and, and having that trust. And I don't think that can be, you know, overstated. That's such a valuable thing to have for this offense um, and for, you know, for working with Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's where some other guys are lacking. Some of that you're seeing um, trust and and feel are crucial. And there's two guys that have clearly stepped up in that regard, and that's Travis Kelsey and uh, Rishi Rice. Now, yes. Well, and if you go watch that touchdown to Rasheed Rice, like they motion him over out wide. I, I went and watched it back now. Just I wanted to figure out what it was. No, he motions out wide and he runs a little like a, it looks like a tight post corner. It's like a slant and then he's supposed to roll back out to the corner. He immediately reads the coverage, sees that the flat corner or the flat defender can roll out underneath him in the corner. He just stops. He just stops instead of continuing to the corner. That route isn't just supposed to stop, you know. 10 yards from the boundary and he's not supposed to just stand there but he recognizes the zone coverage he sees that there's a defender that's the only way that anybody can make a play on the ball as if he continues it out towards the pylon Mahomes sees the exact same thing and like it's not you know an anticipation throw for Mahomes but the moment that Rice slows up out of his break you see Mahomes start to throw it because he sees the same thing too and so to Kent's point that's exactly it. Here's a rookie wide receiver who is understanding what Patrick Mahomes wants him to do in certain situations. You, you can't be mad at a receiver for running that corner route the way it was called, but the fact that he knows and trusts himself and the quarterback to just sit down right there and then make the play, that was phenomenal. And I didn't know, like, I wanted to go back and watch it while we were talking about it to see what he did. And, like, that's a perfect example of what Kit was talking about and earning that trust. It's the second touchdown that that's happened on, too, is just feel and movement and identifying space. Mm -hmm. Moves to the beat of jazz, some would say. Let's talk about McCole Hardman before Craig finishes that face he's giving me right now. Uh, Justin Mead shouts out uh, McCole Hardman's return as well. Thank you, Justin, for for that as well. Um, and look, hey, Maddie, you know we've talked a lot off this show, yeah. and the thing that you clamored, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
That is underselling our relationship on it so much. <laughs> we didn't we now we now voice chat each other. I don't know if anybody uses Twitter's voice chat, but we now voice chat each other every morning. Uh, so it's getting weird. Um, anyways, one of the things that you've talked a lot about, you spent a lot of time talking the last couple of weeks about allegedly. what this team needs. Allegedly, what this team needs is more speed, more speed down yeah. the field. And so, like when we've been like just discussing like types of players we might want to see introduced to this offense, you've clamored for a guy with more speed which is why you kind of you were i you like you were surprised like i was surprised at how interested in mccall hardman you were early early in the process um but here yeah. we are mccall hardman's back and you were very much into the idea of mccall hardman's return and here he was what did you think about his first time back against it was it the the day that the mccall hardman you know trade rumor started swirling i think it was three weeks ago now probably i mean like this week will be three weeks i said like yeah no it makes sense to me bring like I, everybody was you know not upset but a lot of chiefs was like ah oh, we don't need him back don't even think about it stuff like that I'm like i don't know makes sense to me he's fast they have zero speed on this offense like they just don't have anybody that's like fast fast nfl fast fast makes sense just let him run some clear outs and he only got a few routes in this game and not as many of them are clear outs as I thought there would be. But I think, you know, to what Craig's point when he, we talked last week about this team still noticed it. I think there was a reason that the chargers didn't come out and flood Travis Kelsey's areas of the field that he likes to operate because there was still a little bit of a concern of somebody maybe running by them that somebody predominantly being McCole Hardman, but they were, they were given some other people some thoughts and we saw it on the interception. I think McCole Hardman had a step on Asante Samuel a well-thrown deep ball probably nets a touchdown there. Um, the ball probably should have gone to MVS, who was more open. And I think Patrick Mahomes has has said as much. And, you know, either way, that ball should have been thrown earlier. McColl should have had a chance to get it. But, like, that's where you see the speed. And I think as the year goes on, we are going to see them get into more and more of those scenarios. I don't think it's always going to be MVS running these deep overs. I don't think it's always going to be Sky Moore running some of these, you know, corner routes that are designed to clear stuff out and to get big plays. I think they're going to get McColl involved in those because... Patrick Mahomes trusts him. Like he really does. He got the he just came back this week and he got the second most third down targets out of any player on this roster besides Travis Kelsey. The first one, he made the right play. Patrick Mahomes missed through it. He ran a little yeah. whip route. He was working away from the zone coverage. Mahomes threw it to a spot instead of out towards the boundary. If he throws it to the boundary, that's a first down at minimum. Kelsey might even turn up field and block somebody with Hardman speed. He might honestly score on that play. So like he came back. He had an impact on the offensive side. The third down conversion, there was some threat of the speed. The, obviously, the punt return on special teams was phenomenal and, you know, helped the Chiefs, you know, seal this game. But, like, I thought he played pretty well. And some of the other young wide receivers seemed to respect him coming back. So, like, yeah, I I think it was a good move. I think you've already seen it pay off, and I'm just waiting for that first time that they hit that deep long ball. Um, hopefully, Mahomes still can. You know, his deep passing this year, not been ideal. I mean, Great. second worst in the NFL. Second worst in the NFL behind Jordan Love. That's it. Like that's not yeah. great so far, but we'll see. It's not been great, but having that element is fine. It, as we've said, kind of ad nauseum, and as I said in the post game show, you don't have to hit them. Defensive coordinators are still terrified of them. I know that everybody kind of looks at the results of some of Nicole Hardman's time in Kansas City and just goes, "Why would anybody feel like they need to keep a safety over the top of him?" Because the one time it hits. That's when the head coach turns to the defensive coordinator and goes, "Hey, dude, WTF? Like, what what are we doing here? You can't you can't allow that to happen. Don't allow that to happen." And so they don't. And so that's what we're seeing so far. 
I'm very curious to see how he's integrated more into the game plan as the season goes along here. I think we're going to see a few more opportunities there. I think we're going to see him play a few more snaps than he did this week. It's understandable why he didn't. But it was good to see that he was still effective in the, you know, kind of shallow and intermediate areas of the field. Yeah, I, people are going to look at his stat line and go, he was one for six. Like, he caught one pass for six yards. It was a tough six yards. And <laughs> crucial six yards for this. Has a 50-yard punt return. I, I mean, that's about all that you could ask for him in week one. Now, we'll see if the production can kind of pick up a little bit. He can get a little more integrated in some of the ways that they're using Kadarius Tony. Maybe they can use some of those scenarios from Nicole Hartman later in the game when Kadarius Tony is being rested to make sure that he's available for you know January, February, and that point of the year. I'm just curious to see what it is. The early returns, though, safeties getting on their horses a lot more. You know, I want to see it happen with multiple different teams. I, I think the Broncos is a great game to compare and contrast because I just witnessed what the Broncos treated the Chiefs' offense like and how unafraid they were of going deep against you know the Kansas City Chiefs. If McCall Harbin's on the field and all of a sudden they just change the way that they're playing entirely, I think that's your answer right there. I think that tells you the way that defensive coordinators, the way that teams kind of respect what he does on the field, even if the production's not there. All right, anything on the offensive side that we haven't touched on before that you want to get into before we move on to sticker slaps and spirits? And that, by the way, is uh, your cue if you are listening to the show. Throw uh, throw some game ball ideas out. Uh, any anybody you think we should be giving a game ball to? So uh, anyway, anything else we should Matthew maybe talk about that number fifteen cat? He might be pretty good. I mean, yeah, yeah. Right. We we went a little ways here, kid. Do you want to lead off with this, or do you want to close us so that you can rant? No, I'm not going to rant. Um, Interesting. I, Interesting choice. I don't. It, 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 man, I don't have the energy. Uh, <laughs> That's a, but no, they, I mean, they played. Yeah, go. I'm not going to rant, but like, you know, I, I think there was, I don't want to say questions, but there was enough people out there not doubting Patrick Mahomes, but saying like, hey, he's not playing his, his best ball so far this year. I think uh, the three of us would probably be among those people saying that he's not been playing his best ball. And he came out in this game and played absolutely fantastic, especially in the first half. Um, he was hitting just about everything up until that interception, which yes, I understand that his arm got, or he couldn't step into it as he threw it. And like that played a role, he played a great first half, scrambled when he needed to scrambled, created when there was an opportunity to create, was throwing the touch passes absolutely per- to perfection. Him and Travis Kelsey are on some of the weirdest, like I, I hate like the mind meld talk that we get nonstop, but like it really is insane how much on the same page these two guys are. To the point to where the Chiefs are, I think, even calling some option type routes, but I don't think there's like predetermined routes to it. I think it's just kind of like, hey, Travis Kelsey, go get open. And Mahomes is like, okay, yeah, I see what you're doing here. It's all right. So there's, I, I'll, I, I, it's like, like there is something called like an X tag where you might tag with a signal, you know, at the line of scrimmage. Like the play call doesn't have an actual play, like an actual route, and you just kind of tag it at the line of scrimmage based on. It's almost like it's they're they're calling tag, but they're not even making the determination until the plays actually happen. Like you're yeah. just, it's just like, I, it's oh. incredible. It's it's, it's literally it's amazing. Know. And they'll like run, you know, they'll run two other routes that are out there, but they're just like holding space so that Travis Kelsey can run in the middle of the field, get over the ball, and just read and be like, mm, 
I think I'll be open over here. And you see Mahomes, you know, he might throw a look off, but then he goes right to Kelsey and he's going to wait till he starts to come out of that break. He's going to be like, boom, I know right where he's going, delivers him a perfect pass only almost every single time. I don't think we saw them miss on one of those this game. Like every now and then when you're going to funnel this minutes, this many targets to Kelsey on plays like that, they, you know, have a miscommunication here or there, right? Like we see it and it's not a big deal because they make so many work. This game, they didn't have any of those. So I just thought Mahomes played great. Up until, like I said, he didn't get his, you know, all of the body into that deep throw. I thought that in the second half, he missed that throw to Rice, which again, maybe Rice was supposed to be more vertical, maybe not. But like he still, I think he missed that one a little bit. He missed the one to Kelsey on the second reaction play. Those are two more deep plays. You put those on there, he might play a perfect game, right? He might have played a perfect, I mean, essentially you might just call it a perfect game at that point. Um, So I thought he played great. I thought it was a good quote unquote bounce back for him just to kind of remind everybody like, hey, you know, I'm still pretty good. And it, the moment he starts hitting the deep balls again, I don't even need a lot of them. Just like the corner or the Kelsey route, you put those in there. Those are the kind of plays that I think we want to see from Mahomes. Not the bombs, not the go routes or anything like that. I can, you know, I can live or, I can live without those. I like them, but we can live without them. He starts connecting on a few more of those 20 plus yard routes. I think we start to feel really, really good about where this offense is going to be. I do... Uh... Does anybody have any more Patrick Mahomes stuff? I got something real quick. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I, you know, we talked, I think we spent time talking about flexing the ceiling last year. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just nice to see this offense flex the ceiling, show that, you know, what, you know, what it can be, what it will be as, you know, the season goes on, as, you know, as the season gets going. And, you know, and some of that falls on Mahomes because, you know, it's not just, you know, it's Mahomes adjusting to a new group of receivers and a, you know, a new group of players. Like that matters as much as it is these new receivers trying to figure things out and learn and grow and develop on the fly and get thrown into the fire. It's the same thing with the quarterback too, having to navigate all of that and, and kind of slog through some mistakes at times and here and that. So getting to see this team just show up, flex the ceiling against an AFC West opponent you know, the biggest contender for them in their division and just go out and just beat well. the brakes off of them. Uh, you say, well, but Raiders, yeah, said are, well. are we talking about the Raiders? We think, we think, so, no, we're not. Ryan Hoyer and Jimmy. We think here's my thing. I think you're going to make me do this. I, I think the Chargers have a lot of talent. I don't think the Chargers know how to win football games. I just don't think they know how to sure. win football games. So, right. No. I don't, so I don't think they're the biggest challengers because they don't know how to win football games. Do they have the most talent besides the Chiefs in the division? Sure, but they don't know how to win football games. They just but, don't know how to do it. The Raiders, they, look at the Raiders. The Raiders aren't near as talented and they have found ways to lose games, but they've also found, you know, ways to win games. They have yeah. found ways to win ugly games that aren't the Minnesota Vikings outcharging them. So like, I don't know. I just, they've also, well. but here's the thing. The Chargers have also won more games than literally every other team in this division. Sure. That's all, all the time, well, every year. So that's all. I'm just gonna say that. Sorry, Craig. Did you? Yeah. No, you're good. No, real quick. It is not gonna take very long. I know it took kind of a shot at, at Sky Moore's rookie numbers earlier in the show. Here, I thought Sky Moore played a particularly good game for him. I know the numbers aren't gonna show it, but they within the first 15, they did a lot of that orbit motion. Um, a lot of the. Uh, Dolphins uh, start to cut up field right when the ball snapped motion the, that we're seeing you know them utilize a lot. They were definitely trying a lot of things on for size, and I really liked some of the vertical routes that they put Sky on. 
the the little head mob, the head knobs, the shoulder shimmies, things like that, that kind of had the corner second guessing things a little bit more. Now he still didn't have a ton of separation. I'm not trying to say that he was a leader or anything like that, but some of the things that maybe we haven't seen, you know, with Sky Moore and some of the usages that we haven't seen very often, I was I was a little bit intrigued by how they were kind of weaponizing him a little bit, even if he wasn't getting a bunch of targets. All right, sticker slaps in the spirits time. Uh, we're giving out a uh, helmet sticker. I start. Uh, we're going to go with Jarek McKinnon. I think outstanding uh, pass protection this week, so I'll just give him a little bit of love. We haven't spent any time talking about him, so shout out Jarek McKinnon for his continued greatness in pass protection despite being Matthew's age. So my helmet sticker does go to Jarek McKinnon. Yep. But slapping a good job, Matthew. All right, Craig, you're up. Uh... Oh, um... <laughs> I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Marquez Valdez Scantling. Um, he had three catches, but two of them were on second reaction plays, on broken plays, and that's something that I would say traditionally, especially with the Chiefs, has kind of been a weakness of MVS. He just he doesn't seem to always be like on the same page as Mahomes when plays start to break down a little bit. He doesn't. I, I'm not saying he's bad. It's just that they haven't seemed to like form that same level of connection that we've seen some other receivers and Mahomes get on. And so it was nice to see MVS one realize that him and Another receiver, it might have been Sky Moore, ran like the exact same route. And then he immediately saw where Mahomes was and started tracking across the field, catches that one and takes it to the house. There was another play later in the game where the play started to break down. And he yet again went and found open space, started working into, you know, not just the direction that Mahomes is going, but trying to find open space, knowing Mahomes can get the ball to whoever. So like it was nice to see MVS one get the big breakout game that has been overdue at this point, overdue for him. They come more frequent than this, but two in the way that he did it, it clearly was like he was working on that. It was something that he ex- executed better than he had been uh, throughout, you know, his Chiefs tenure. So, like that was nice to see. Yeah, my whole ass bottle of vodka, man. I, I got a lot of guys that I want to give this to. I'm going to give it to Justin Reed for his second half, not for his first half, <laughs> but for his second half. What a terrific second half! Terrific turnaround by him, making several plays that were absolutely crucial at the exact right time there. I I was just really impressed by his turnaround. I, I think a lot of Chiefs fans have maybe unfairly comped him to what Tyron Matthew did in his time in Kansas City. They are not the same player. They are not they don't play the same way. And so Justin Reed kind of has this little bit of a microscope underneath him. I know people are looking to get rid of him and look at all the money that the you know Chiefs can save if they move on from him. Justin Reed consistently shows up late in games in a positive way. And I think that part of the turnarounds that the Chiefs defense has had when they have gone through rough patches has not just been, you know, Steve Spagnuolo, the four-man rush, the blitz, whatever the case may be. It's been the trust that they put in Justin Reed and all the different ways that they play him. And he was really, really terrific in the second half, really closing out the game. So a whole ass bottle of vodka just Looks like the game ball is gonna go to Charles Amenihu for uh, from the from the chat. A lot of a lot of Amenihu talk. Also, Dick Bolton gets some love. Lejerry Steen getting some love. But ultimately, it is going to be Charles Amenihu. Congratulations, Charles Amenihu, on your game ball. That's gonna do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening for the over sixty minute show, which I think Craig and Maddie. Shout out offensive line. Um, They did a great job handling the Chargers pass rush, even though the Chargers started to throw a few blitzes in there. I thought the offensive line in general played very well. Uh, Just stop zone blocking them, please. Please. All right. You can close the second. 
Yeah. Shout out defensive line. Uh, running some games on the right side uh, of the Chargers. Offensive line late in the game. Getting just instant pressure a lot of times. As it, you know, coaching point. Did, did a really good job there. That's going to do it for the Casey Laboratory. Thank you all so much. Shout out coaches for their adjustments that they made at halftime um, and during the game. Tobe getting on McCall Hardman, Steve Spagnuolo. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.